everybody, and welcome to another episode of React Roundup. I'm your host, Charles Maxwood, and this week we're talking to Brittany Feenstra. Brittany, do you want to say hello? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Are you a React developer who builds large applications for your organization? With NX, you can build your apps in a monorepo alongside your backend code and share code between React and other frameworks. You'll also get advanced code generation and automatically configured tooling like Cypress, Jest, and Prettier to simplify your workload. You'll build higher quality apps, share more across teams, and focus less time on configuration. Visit nx.dev react to get Narwhal's free open source set of extensible dev tools. You're all the way in warm, I'm a little jealous, Phoenix area. And uh, yeah, you you told me before the, the call that you work at Formidable Labs, which is JavaScript consultancy. Um, I think I've seen them sponsor some conferences or be involved in the community in a few other ways. So cool yeah, stuff well, there. What am I missing? What, um, what do people need to know about Brittany? <laughs> so I am a software engineer at Formidable. I am a, a team lead for some client work. And I like to poke around in the open source that we also run when I have free time. Really love my job, really love the opportunities that I'm given at Formidable and um, being able to discuss things like accessibility here. And uh, earlier last year at ReactConf was one of those things. We are hiring, so small plug for Formidable. <laughs> if you are a JavaScript engineer and you're looking for an amazing job, uh, please look at our website. And then the only other thing I'd mention is Phoenix is actually very cold this time of year. Oh. Uh, I know. Um, it's like... It, it can it can get pretty frosty here in the in the morning. So I know it's not the same as Salt Lake where you're at, but which is genuinely very cold. But <laughs> um, yeah, we do have a cold season. Oh wow! Well, anyways, yeah, of course it gets to like sixty degrees or something. And I know people from California they're out here and they're like, "It's freezing." I'm like, <laughs> I know. Yeah, you do get a little wimpy as far as like what actual cold weather is for sure. Yeah. But it's all good. So yeah, so you. Do React. Uh, you gave a talk at React Comp about accessibility. So it's interesting to me when people decide to gain expertise in a particular area like accessibility, what prompts them to do it, right? So yeah, well, yeah. what kind of hit that for you? Sure. Uh, so I am, my background before hitting React was first in HTML in like junior high. I was working on just like pure, just ugly HTML websites just for the heck of it in my computer classes. Dropped that fast forward like 12 years and am back into tech and doing complete, like just vanilla JavaScript, not React at all, like nothing like that. Like, and switching from HTML and JavaScript and having that be like my background. Um, it's also what I tend to lean on when I'm working in React on new things. Mm -hmm. uh, same thing as people who come from more like object-oriented languages where they approach React in that pattern. I am more likely to approach it from uh, readability and accessibility just because I'm more used to semantic languages in mm -hmm. terms with just like what, what you get out of the box that we've had like in this box, like in our garage for ever at this point that so many people don't know about. And we're working so much harder than we need to on right. things that are just like easy wins. There are so many people out there that are spreading the good news of accessibility a lot better than me. And I'm not going to like pretend to be like the no, like the, the complete expert in all of this. And that I, I just think it's important that like we all try a little harder and that we start like learning how to do it. So that's where I kind of got this whole idea for giving a talk about how things like accessibility and like this can apply to almost anything probably. But for me, I like looking at it 
for accessibility in, in terms of just like, you got to work on this like every day or every, mm-hmm. every like new ticket that you're working on or every like component you're building for a f- feature, blah, 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 blah. Like we all know this process. So if we look at it from a smaller level, like a more microscopic level, it's so much easier to approach because suddenly it's right. not an entire like audit of your whole stinking website. It's just, Hey, does this one form work if I can't see it? Or if I'm using my keyboard or if I only have one hand and like every day we come across like sites that do this really terribly. Like even yesterday I was like booking a ticket on an unnamed airline and it was very hard to do. And I am able-bodied and I can see, and I wasn't holding like a dog or a child or (laughs) groceries. Like I, I wasn't even on my phone and it was still really hard. So there's just like really small things that we can start doing that a lot of people just don't know about because they come from like a computer science background and they took like two weeks to learn HTML like divs that way they can put something on the screen and then they can use their fancier languages and do something. Or you come from a bootcamp, which I'm actually a bootcamp grad. I went to general assembly in Seattle. I was their Mm -hmm. fourth cohort and you just spend like a day on this thing and you don't actually get to know why it's important or what it actually means unless you're willing to pay attention or like do some extra Googles. And then like, so like if that's your background and you don't even know this is out there and now you're looking up demo code for how to do something in React or whatever language you're using or framework you're using, they're maybe not using the best practices for HTML and we're just perpetuating these problems. Right. So if we can all just start doing small things like knowing, like I think the easiest one to bring up is like knowing when to use a button versus a link and how those can just help us out of the box, move forward and just become better and have a more sturdy foundation. We're slowly building a better web without overwhelming ourselves or being able or having to like hit pause on like also learning how to use hooks or how to run tests or like how to use circle CI or when to use yarn and like all of these <laughs> things that are super important and like they matter like arguably like more in your career as far as like helping you get that new job than like, hey, I know my forms really well in HTML. Like that, that's super important. And I just feel like it's lost a lot of the time because it kind of can be the right. first thing to go if you're on a time crunch. So anyways, that's the r- long rambly version of why I care about this. Like every day you just kind of see like, at least for me when I'm like reviewing PRs and like things like that, I'm just on my client work because that's what I do. Uh-huh you see just like people using like divs for heading level ones. And it's very obvious that that's, it's the only text on the whole screen. Like, obviously right. this is, this is it. Like, this is, yep. this is the, the, the main course right here. Like, let's like, if we can start really, really just like reorienting ourselves around like what the page is supposed to do and then take that and transfer it into HTML from the get-go, our components are going to build themselves so much faster. So I, I just think it's worth looking at because we can really like make things just more readable, more organized. It's just, I, it, I don't yeah, know. I, I go on like that all day. So <laughs> I, I want to jump in on a couple of the ideas that you've put out there before we really dive deep into how to do accessibility. And I also plan to wax somewhat philosophical at the end and, you know, challenge some people's thinking. But yeah, so we're diving into this. And you're talking about how sometimes there's, it's not even a good user experience if you're just using it without any helpers, right? So, you know, 
I can see, or at least I can see with my glasses on, I can see my screens. Um, you know, I, I have both my hands, the keyboard works great, right? So I, I'm not using any assistive technology, it just works. But yeah, you know, you're talking about booking an airline ticket and I've never seen a, a system that does that, that does it well, right? For an, for an, you know, a, a regular, I hate to say normal, but for, for a user that doesn't need any yeah. assistive technology, right? Yep. So what I'm wondering is, does that poor user experience for the, I guess, most common use case translate into a poor user experience for people who have assistive technologies? Or yeah. is there any translation there? Or if they don't care about um, sort of the baseline UX, they just don't tend to even look at accessibility. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm wondering if there's a correlation there at all. So I just want to make sure I'm understanding what you're saying. So it's like if, so we're just So if the user developer. experience is terrible to begin with, then generally is the accessibility experience also terrible? I don't know. I feel like maybe you could have like an, a website that could work great if you if you're using a screen reader that is inaccessible to other people. Right. But it's just kind of like, why? Like you can do, I'm sure there's a way to do all of these things and people will find yeah. them because they love to like be like, ah, but you could do this. This it's more, there's like a why, like, why would we do this when like, it's the top layer of what we're all developing, mm-hmm. where it's like, you put so much love and attention into your API. Now let's be able to use it. Like regardless of how you're using it, let's make sure that people can approach it. So I guess the other question that I have, and that go, this goes the other way, is are accessible websites easier to use or easier for the browser to reason about or anything like that? Like, does it, oh, offer, okay. does it offer advantages the other way? So uh, my first question was, if you have a good UI or UX, does it offer advantages in accessibility? And it sounds like the answer is not necessarily. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. I totally missed, misunderstood you. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I asked the question in a really roundabout way. And so my dog barked halfway through, so I was trying to like catch up. So, sorry. So now if I am following best practices for accessibility, is my website going to be easier to read or easier to navigate? Yes, 100%. Because it, you're looking at it from the perspective of readability. So it, I think my favorite way to look at it is you're writing a college paper or like a high school, like research paper, let's say, uh, if you have an outline of what you're building, like what you're Mm -hmm. going to write, your paper will be 100% better than the normal person who didn't write an outline. And is just like flying from their hip, just like freewheeling, like words or components or some JavaScript here to build this button and like a link over here to finish this form and blah, blah, blah. Like it's, it's, I think that having accessibility in mind from the get-go when you're approaching UI is going to make your websites just so much more organized and Mm -hmm. purposeful. So like a lot of projects don't have um, really strong like PMs or like management like that, where like somebody who really knows the insides of how to build an app and uh, all of the technicalities plus all of the business logic. And that person is very rare. And when you find them, you hold on to them very tightly. But for the rest of us, uh, there is usually like a knowledge gap of some kind between our designers and our 
um, leads and our engineers and our UX and our testers. And I have found that um, using accessible just HTML out of the box uh, in terms of when we're setting up just a greenfield project, if that if we can just talk about that for a second, then you're going to know what you're actually building. So it's the difference with like, hey, I see that we have this whole side menu over here and it's got all these links for going around the whole site, even if it's like a single page app. It's like, our, what is this? Is this supposed to be like our main source of menu or is the, are these just like resource links? Because that changes things or like knowing where the body of your page is going to be being able to use tags like main or like if you're writing like a blog of some kind using articles just from the get-go that way like as other engineers come in and flesh out components you know just by looking at it what it is you don't need to have like a style component like article body combo Mm -hmm. you can just have the html tag right there even if that's what you end up still using in whatever style library you're going for um but you just get so much more legibility out of the box and the same thing for like form fields and like figuring out like when radio button or check boxes go together by using like a legend of some kind instead of just being like and here's some buttons over or some radio buttons over here right so i think that just by having that organization from the get-go, you're having a better UI experience, you're having better developer experience, and you get this beautiful like bare bones outline that will then be used to be scraped for SEO purposes. Right. And you did nothing extra. You just you just used some good old fashioned HTML. Yeah, it's interesting. We had a conversation with oh what's his name? Bruce. I'll have to go look. Um, but, uh, anyway, we had a conversation on JavaScript Jabber, I think it was last week or the week before, and we talked about semantic HTML and it sounds like Bruce Lawson. Oh, okay. I've heard his name. Yeah. And, you know, and so it sounds like you're kind of talking about the same thing. And, you know, initially we just started out with, okay, so accessibility best practices translate into real world benefits for able people. And so now we're diving into, okay, the first thing you went to was semantic HTML. And I think most people, when they're thinking about accessibility, they, they start thinking, okay, well, ARIA tags, oh, and man, boy, Aria that's confusing, so confusing. and so I confusing. just don't know. But he made the point, and you just made the point, that just start with semantic HTML. Yeah. And I mean, if we build things semantically, suddenly we don't really have to worry about ARIA all that much until we're doing like something complicated or something that like the designer's like, but no, we really got to have this special drop-down menu. And those are fine. Or like modals, that's another one where you're, you're going to need some extra help. But just for the, the standard everyday thing, you really don't need to go all that far. And people use ARIA as like it's like if you have a link in your sink and you decide to duct tape it instead of actually fixing the problem. It's like ARIA is like being used as the duct tape of our neglected household tasks. Uh, or at least maybe I'm the only one that doesn't like taking care of my house. But um, uh, yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. It's just like, I don't know. There's something really cool about getting to like play with new tech. And that's something I love about Formidable and like being able to like, really have these amazing conversations with my coworkers about like all these like new cutting edge features about like react and like 
all the, like the moment yarn two got it like released, um, like just super, super cool. But I think that the basics are still important and like, it's not a bad thing to talk about it. Like, like you can be really great at your job and still exploring basics and still learning more. And I just like, I don't know, there's just so much, so much good out there that is just not being talked about because it's not as cool. So I don't know. No, I, so talking about the basics, I mean, if we're not doing the basics, we need to talk about the basics, right? Yeah. And the other thing is, is that a lot of times, if we take the basics for granted, then what winds up happening, and we see this in React all the time, for example, um, you know, people go to a boot camp or they'll go through a course, the, an online course, right? And it's like, here's how you do React. Mm-hmm. And then people get in, they start learning React, and then it's like, well, how in the heck do I do this, right? And, you know, so they go and they bang their head against the wall for a while. And it turns out, well, you don't understand the basics of TypeScript or JavaScript. And Mm -hmm. those things make this really easy. And so... Yeah, it's so easy to fast forward and be like, cool, I built something. I hit hit some buttons and do something. And that's amazing. Like, good for you. Like, I love that development is getting to the point where getting out of the bot, like getting like spun up is so Mm -hmm. fast. Like, that's one of the reasons I love Gatsby. Like for all of my side projects, like I get to just like hit a couple buttons and borrow like a template from a project that I've already worked on. And uh, cool, like all I need to do is add a CMS and we can just keep going. And you don't really like need to like try that, mm-hmm. that hard on understanding like the insides of what's happening there. But I think that, yeah, like I don't want to like say it's a bad thing to not have that like those basics as a foundation, just because everybody has different basics and different ideas of what a basic is. And that's a good thing. Like our developer world should be as diverse as humanly possible. And I think it's really important that everybody has these different backgrounds that they're coming in with. Um, But it just so happens that like my background being in HTML and then also linguistics in college before I switched my degree, because I realized I couldn't do anything with that one. Like it's just... I think it's important to help each other understand other perspectives. And if my perspective is from looking at it as like just an outline for a paper and like what we're building, then if I can bring that perspective and my coworker can overhear or a different like blogger or like whoever can, or a podcast can bring in like this new perspective that I hear about for something else, then together we're just going to build a better tomorrow online, right? Yeah, it's... So this is where I thought we might wax a little bit philosophical because we've had the discussions on other podcasts about accessibility and um, what in particular, I'm thinking of a conversation we had on JavaScript Jabber where um, one of the panelists was basically making the case that everybody has this moral responsibility to do accessibility on all of their websites no matter what. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, and, and they're, they're to the point where they're saying, you know, laws should be passed that say that if you're going to build a website in the modern age, um, you know, that you should do accessibility. And then, you know, another panelist um, basically said, yeah, but we shouldn't be dictating to businesses what they should be doing because it adds a certain level of work then that they have to complete before they can go to market. And the market's always better if we have more competition. And so, you know, they can, mm, yeah. you know, they can work it in. And I mean, it, it's a tricky, it's a tricky proposition for me because I generally agree in kind of the, the capitalist principles for lack of a better term. 
um, that yeah, you know, we shouldn't be dictating to to businesses that they should be doing it. I think I think the government has a responsibility to do it where they're doing things. You know, so so if you're you know anywhere along the lines of a public utility, then you ought to. Mm-hmm. But like you should be mandated to. But other than that, yeah, I, I have a hard time with that. But at the same time, then it's okay. Well, what if we leave somebody high and dry? You know, that doesn't seem right either. And the other thing is, is that what if that person we're leaving high and dry would have been enabled in a way that actually benefits everybody else if we mm-hmm. hadn't left them high and dry? I'm I'm a little curious where you come down on this because yeah, I'm not super comfortable with my position on, on this particular. <laughs> oh man, yeah. it's such a it's yeah, it's such a such a thing. So I don't know. I feel like I want to believe that people are just missing that it's not that hard. And That's probably very true. So I, I want to I want to take the like optimistic approach where we shouldn't have to mandate this, but that people do need to do better. And I think that the like the moral responsibility is definitely there, but a lot of the times people just have no idea what that like responsibility looks like because mm-hmm. they have had zero experience dealing with something that doesn't work for them. Right. Um, or they don't even know like where to start with that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, you could apply that to like literally anything happening in our world right now with how many like just tunnel visions we have going on. Oh yeah. But aside from that, though, like people are getting sued, like companies are getting sued for having inaccessible websites. And that is a very real thing now. Like one of the first places I worked at, um, was just nervous that they were going to have that mm-hmm. happen to them. And that's actually what got me into this. I did their audit and I learned so stinking much about what all I was doing wrong and what I could like do better. And actually their website wasn't that bad. Like it audit wise, like it wasn't like, it was fine. Like we had some things to change, but ultimately like you were getting generally the same experience, which is great. Uh, but like, Oh, I just forget who is the latest one that got sued, but like, <laughs> you, you really want to know? You can tell me if you have in front of you. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give you full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So... If you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. Plug your kids' ears. Uh, I heard this on one of the news wires and I thought it was just fascinating, but Pornhub got oh, sued really? for lack of closed captioning on their videos. That's, I, I mean, right. who knew, right? But I, yeah, I you know, that. so there's a, a, a deaf guy that sued them. And it's like, <laughs> you know, I mean, porn websites aren't exactly what I try and talk about on these shows, but... They're usually you know, cutting edge, though. Like, they usually have good tech, is what I was told by a person yeah. right when I started my career, which was uncomfortable, but... <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know for sure, but it's definitely interesting. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. 
Yeah. And it's not, I don't want to like spend time shaming people for having inaccessible websites. That's just so unproductive, but it's more just like a, all right, going forward guys, like, and, and gals, like what can we do to just have this be better while, you know, everybody loves to talk about how lazy developers are. So like to use that stereotype, like with being lazier, like there, I think that's kind of the angle I was trying to mm-hmm. approach this conversation or like for at least my conference talk, like approaching it as far as like, a, if you do this, you can be lazier right? and you're doing a better job. So it's like a, win-win. I like that. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's overwhelming. It's like, I like Aria is still complicated and like I reference docs all of the time and I'm still, I always second guess like, Hey, is this, is this right? And I think it's normal. Like I like, I'm like a fairly like mid-level yeah. like developer, like pretty standard. And like, if I'm still asking these questions, like I just, I don't know, like every time I hear somebody else like asking a question about something I'm still insecure about, it mm-hmm. helps me because it's like, okay, everybody struggles. Everybody's having like some kind of like a question through their head that everybody's afraid to ask. And if we just start asking those things of like, hey, what's up if I like do this this way? Or do you think that this is the right thing here? And just by having more of those like questions being able to be asked, then I think it's a win-win. And so what? Mm-hmm. Cool. You know, you know all this already. Awesome. Then help your yeah. coworker. Yeah, I, I like that. And I really like the approach of, hey, you know, this is just a small thing that makes life easier for you and life easier for your users. And, you know, so so let's let's dive in a little bit more into that then. Cause you're talking about, I mean, the big first major step is just using semantic HTML, right? Mm-hmm. So Before last week, when we talked to Bruce, I wasn't really all that clear on what like an article tag actually meant or a header tag actually meant or a footer tag actually meant. So how do I start learning that, you know, and and how steep is the learning curve for that stuff? Yeah. So honestly, I would... I would point you to the docs, just MDN HTML in Mm -hmm. your Google search and it will get you very far. Uh, not to, you know, put the, put the bulk of the work on the reader there. Um, yeah, but there's going to be some work. Yeah, there is. And it's like, like taking the position of just like knowing English for this conversation's sake, like a header is going to be at the top of your page, most likely, unless you're doing something Mm -hmm. funky. Um, and even if it's not at the top of the page, if it's the top content in your aforementioned outline for your college paper or high school paper, whatever, um, and then that's like, okay, here's your, here's your, this is what the page is. This is what the app is. This is, this is it guys. This is where we're at. Uh, and then like, I don't know. It's just like, it's so hard to s- explain like what an article is without using the word. It's an article. It's your mm-hmm. blog post. It's like, it's the content for right. the, the post of some kind. Um, and same thing, like your main tag is the main content of the page. Uh, so it's, it's like a little, it's pedantic without meaning to be pedantic about like what it is. But I think that's something funny about it. Cause it's like, everybody wants it to be so much more than it actually is, but it's like, okay, this is literally like what it is. It's just describing itself that way we don't have to use extra words for it. So, but MGN actually has an amazing list of all of the different HTML like elements that, and I'll link this if you want for content. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to your point, like articles, the way Bruce explained it was that articles are essentially the pieces of content on your page. Yeah, it's a self-contained 
yeah. composition in a document page, application, or site. Like, yeah. okay, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. So in a course, in a in a listing of courses, each course is an article. In a listing of posts, it's your posts. You know, if mm-hmm. you've got different elements that you're trying to show on the page, each one of those is going to be an article. Yeah. Thank you. And the thing that I'm kind of picking up with this, because I was thinking about it, is that maybe not at your lowest level of components, but if you've got like a parent component that's kind of a layout component, it's probably a good candidate to be an article. Possibly. I think I would I would hesitate to use it as like a blanket. No, like uh, that's what I'm saying. It's probably a good candidate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say it's a high percentage that you should consider using it. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're, you know, displaying a collection of things or something like that that make up the main content, right? So it's not a blog post. It's not a big block of text, you know, where you would use paragraph tags. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, okay, there's an image and a title and a description, right? Mm-hmm. That's an article. Yeah. Yep. There you go. So, yeah. But it's it's like, okay, I got to wrap my head around this stuff. And, and that's tricky. It is tricky. And it's tricky to remember it too, because you could just slap a div in there. Mm-hmm. And move forward with your life, and been there, done. I still do. Yeah, that. sorry. We all do it. We all. I do know. It. Uh, Guilty. You're like, I'll just come back to it. I'll just leave this little to do. It's fine. But it's I don't know. It's so tricky when like reminding ourselves that like, wait a minute, we got to do this. Yeah. That's why I think good pull request review is so important. Like having yeah. like being committed and uh, like express like vocally expressing like. Hey, when you review my PRs, please make sure I'm not doing this. It's a habit I'm trying to break. And yeah. um, another good way to do that is by using um, like um, an ESLint plugin for accessibility, like uh, the JSX A11Y. Uh, oh, I didn't even know there was such a thing. Yeah. So you can add that to your entire pipeline before you like push your code up. That way you're actually mm-hmm. avoiding any of those like obvious accessibility mistakes. And it's actually really helpful. Um, and then if you have like an existing code base that you're trying to like clean up for accessibility, you could install that too, and then turn everything to warn except one rule. That way you're kind of gradually changing everything to be accessible from, from the get-go. That makes from sense. The get-go, from wherever you're at with your existing project that's right. not accessible. I like that, especially for the brownfield projects, I guess. Yeah. Call them, right? Because if yep. it's greenfield, it's like, you know what? I'm just going to use all the right tags, but yeah, if you've I mean, already it might got still a bunch, be of, a good idea regardless. Yeah. Um, just, but for your div salad, it's mm-hmm. it's yeah, harder. and to like fix the form elements first, and then go through and be like, okay, now I see that these divs are probably not necessary, especially yeah, half of them aren't doing anything. Yeah, so like that helps with having the semantic HTML like being for, like pushed to like pursue that mm-hmm. as a general guideline. And then there's also some like extensions, like um, I use Chrome a lot, but this is also on Firefox um, for like headings outlines. If you look for that, it kind of an extension. Um, there's a lot of them. I play, I've played with a handful of them and they all do generally the same thing where you get to like actually see like what content is getting scraped off your site. Uh, in terms of how your structure is. And it's actually really fun to play with if you go oh, to like nice. major new sites and seeing like how different their uh, uh, approach is for mm-hmm. how readable their site is if you don't have 
the CSS and the eyes. Uh, to what was that it. one called? There's a bunch of them. I use headings map outliner. It's really great name, right? Um, let's get this link. That's the Chrome plugin. Yeah. So that yeah. one's great. There's a couple others. Um, but it, even just using it on other people's websites or sites that you go to is really interesting because it gives you a better idea of what people are using to get semantic HTML and what happens if it's not there. Right. Now, um, if I wanted to, I, I suppose I could also get a screen reader and just run it myself, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really hard way to start with this though. Like if you're okay. new to writing accessible code and the very first thing you do is launch a screen reader, it's so overwhelming. And it, like there's a whole like art to like learning how to use it. Um, mm-hmm. There um, are some great blogs about how to um, how to start using a screen reader. Uh, Marcy Sutton's work is amazing. If you just like Google for her and mm-hmm. like how to use a screen reader, you're going to get really far. Um, Axe by Decay does a lot of really good blog work on it. And also their tooling is amazing. So it'll help you actually understand what you're looking at with the screen reader. They also have great dev extensions to help you know what you need to fix on your website. Yeah, makes sense. I just found a headings map uh, add-on for Firefox as well. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, they're everywhere. There's so many of them. Yeah. And yeah, we've had Marcy on some of the shows before and she is terrific. And she, she, is so cool. she breaks it down so well. Yes. I love, I love her courses. I'm always learning something new from whatever I'm looking at with her. Her blog's great. Like I, yeah, she's just very good at explaining all of this and is like the expert. I would probably defer mm-hmm. all of like the, the topics right. to. Yeah. So once I have semantic HTML in place and I'm kind of running through headings map and things like that, Am I done? Or Probably not. <laughs> what should I be looking at next? Um, can you use it with a screen reader? Can you use it with just a keyboard? Oh, keyboard access. Oh, that's interesting. So yeah, yeah, can you tap through it? Yeah, can you tap through it? Can you do what you need to do with just the keyboard if you're if you don't have a mouse or if your touchpad's not working or you just yeah. want to? It's like I tap through stuff all the time and it's super annoying if I can't. So like I don't know. I feel like if you got your like HTML setup accurately and you're like starting to want to like test the thing that you're doing, then key through it. Great. Did mm-hmm. that work? Awesome. Let's try a screen reader now. Like let's blindfold ourselves if that's necessary and let's do run through with it. You can also, um, there are extensions to make your screen hard to read uh, yes. for different levels of visibility. And those are really Frustrating uh, is the word I would use in a very enlightening way. Uh, there are some um, to like make your browser colorblind, to experience different visual impairments. And that's interesting. It's insane. Yeah. Like I accidentally like left it on for just some normal like browsing of the internet. And I have never been that frustrated looking at the internet in my life. And it was extremely eye-opening because it's like, oh wait, I can just turn this off. And some people can't. Yep. Like a lot of people can't actually. So I think that going back to the question of like having developers want to do better and like that moral necessity, I think having the experience, like forcing, not forcing, but like having developers who don't have to deal with these things 
forced into dealing with them just for like a couple of minutes, I think makes a really substantial difference. Or even if like, it's part of like our testers or QA to like go mm -hmm. and uh, test through this that way. Cause like if you're using a screen reader and you can see, and you're just running through a test more likely than not, you're going to leave your eyes open as you key through things. And so you're going to have this extra understanding of what it is that you shouldn't when you're testing things like that. Right. But starting out with the screen reader, if that's like, you're inspired by this, awesome. And you're like, okay, great. I'm going to go out there and start with the screen reader. Don't do it. Like that's so, it's just going to make you sad and confused and overwhelmed. At least that's what happens to me. And so if we can just start with like more basic, like, okay, what's our HTML outline look like when we run it through this extension? What does Axe say when we use their extension, which is gold? Uh, what does like, even like, Chrome and Firefox both have just like built-in accessibility measures now. So like just do a little like measure in your browser tools for it and start to see like, okay, like it should be fine. All right, yeah. great. Move forward to some actual testing. I've got some things to fix. Go fix those before you like fire up this or the screen reader, unless you really want to see it. Like if you really, or not see it, hear it. If you really want to like experience that, awesome. Like go for it. Like I am stoked that you are wanting to do that. But for the bulk of people, it's just going to be like a little bit sad. Yeah. Well, one of my strategies has been, I have a few friends that are visually impaired. And so I actually go and I watch them use it with their accessibility yeah. tools. And that's awesome. Like if you have people in your life that are willing to do that for you, then it like, hurts my brain. <laughs> yeah. And it's so, it shouldn't, it shouldn't. It's like, yelling at me. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. Like, and that, that makes just auditing so hard too. Cause then you just like got your headphones in and it's like yeah. a several weeks of just listening to that. And you just have like a migraine. You're just like taking Tylenol like every day. No, no bueno in my book. So yeah, I feel like just starting small. Um, and that's kind of like why I was using the silly metaphor of like training for a marathon where it's like, you don't just go out and like run the whole thing the first day. Like you gotta, yeah. you gotta work your way up there. So like you gotta be able to walk and run and stretch and eat the right things yep. and sleep and blah, 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 blah. So I just think it all builds on itself yep. to get to the point where we can have these sites that are even testable. So we, we've talked a whole bunch about accessibility and how it's done and things like that. Um, how, how does this fold into React? So your components in JSX are made up of semantic HTML, I'm assuming mm -hmm. is kind of the big thing. But what else do you need to think about specifically with React? Or what kind of pitfalls do people run into with React? I think that pitfalls that people come into are how you interact with a page. So like modals are a big thing that are very rarely accessible um, in general, but also specifically to React because of how we can like manipulate the DOM there mm -hmm. and just like how the page can build and repaint itself. So I think that that is an area to like watch out for just like content that can show up on the screen that wasn't there inherently. But honestly, it's like there's nothing specific to React about being accessible with what you're building. Right. Like, there's some super dope plugins that you can use for React, uh, like the ESLint plugin, JSX A1Y mm -hmm. thing. But other than that, it's just kind of like, okay, here's React, here's our framework, and here's this thing that is part of React that's also very normal for everything else that we're building that has an outward facing like UI online, like 
let's just use it. Like, let's just use the tools we already have that aren't necessarily part of the specific framework. Yeah, makes sense. All right. If people want to follow up with you on some of this stuff or just reach out and say hello, where, where do they go? Um, probably Twitter would be, I'm pretty active on there. It's not necessarily a lot of like developer content. You're going to get a lot of like, I'm really excited about the new Fast and Furious movie. So you're going to get a lot of that content right now. <laughs> but, um, but my Twitter handle is Brittany, B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y and then IRL. I liked it. Uh, so you can find me on there. My DMs should be open or follow me. I swear I'm nice. Um, but I would love questions. Yeah. Sounds good. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood and I just launched my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. All right. Well, the last um, portion of the show is picks. For picks, I'll just start. Um, picks are just things that we like, things that are uh, making a difference for us or just that we enjoy, right? So my first pick is going to be a book that I am listening to on Audible. And this is one that my brother actually um, recommended to me a while ago. So I bought it on Audible and it's been sitting in my account forever. Started it like four times and just was not following along, getting into it. And then after I got about four chapters in, I was like, okay, so it has a really terrible start, right? To get you into it. But the rest of the book has been fantastic. Um, it's The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. And uh, it's kind of a... It's, it's a fairly well-known fantasy book. But anyway, so I'm, I'm really, really uh, enjoying it. And he's got like all of this lore and stories within the story, right? And so you kind of get some culture, some out of where these people are at in the world that they live in. So anyway, I've really been enjoying it. It's, it's pretty awesome. The other pick that I have is much more along the lines of what I'm working on. So um, I've had a bunch of people asking me for a while about different things related to getting a job. I wrote a book last year about it um, and how to find your dream developer job. But I'm going to put together uh, uh, some group coaching to help people get through it. So I'm going to I'm going to be putting together a course through that. Um, I tried doing this before, and I figured out I I did it, but I tried to do the course uh, lessons as webinars, and that just didn't work because mm-hmm. the production level wasn't where I wanted it. So this time, what I'm going to do is when you sign up for the course, you're going to get the the lessons as I complete them. So you'll probably start out with three or four and then you'll get the rest within the next week or two. Um, and then, yeah, we'll just meet every week for um, basically an hour and you can ask me whatever questions you have. I can coach you through whatever you're looking at. Um, but I've helped people find remote jobs because they don't live near a tech center or near anyone in a couple of cases. Um, I've helped people find jobs um, that just, you know, they lived close enough to a bunch of places but they seem to always pick the companies that they weren't happy at. And so, yeah, definitely helping people, you know, wh- wherever you're at, you know, uh, I've, I've helped a ton of people find jobs and I can probably help you too. And so um, we're going to do that. I'm going to do another one because people also ask how to stay current. How do I keep up on React or JavaScript or web development or whatever? So I'm going to show you how, how we do it at devchat.tv. Um, and then... Yeah, I've got a couple of other things going. Uh, podcasting course that I'm working on as well. 
And you can find all that at devchat.tv slash workshops. And uh, yeah, I'll have the landing page up before any of these episodes go live. Um, working on that right now, just kind of hammering all that out. But yeah, so that's, that's what I'm working on right now uh, for folks. So you can check all that out. Like I said, at devchat.tv slash workshops. Brittany, do you have some picks for us? Uh, sure. I'm reading two books right now. One for work and one for fun. My for workbook is the new uh, Smashing Magazine book that Hayden Pickering put out called Inclusive Components. Uh, right. It's very on topic for what we've been chatting about today. I uh, highly recommend it if you're looking at building some uh, inclusive components in your life. And then my for fun book is I'm finally reading Michelle Obama's memoir. It's very good. I'm enjoying it. Nice. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming and just sharing your knowledge with us. Thanks for having me. This is really fun. I've never yeah. done anything before like this. So thank you for having me. We try and make it easy. So <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, um, it's, I mean, it's just terrific to talk about some of the stuff, especially since it seems like this has gotten a whole lot easier, or simpler to understand. Because yeah, There's I remember talking about accessibility a little bit ago and people would just ARIA tags and their brains would explode. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, hey, it's simple. Here's what you do. Yeah, there's a whole A1Y uh, project, um, and a lot those people have been doing a lot of good work spreading like the gospel of mm-hmm. accessibility and updating all the documentation and giving like actual like like React component libraries that uh, are accessible and like giving you good examples. So right. there's a lot of really talented people out there doing a lot of really good work, and now it's just the rest of our jobs to use it, use the things yeah. that they've been building. So. Cool. All right, folks, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, React Roundup, uh, we'll have another one next week. And in the meantime, Max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot com to learn more. <laughs>